Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I am Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode of the podcast, we discussed 12 unique marketing strategies for manufacturing companies. So if you are a business leader or marketer within a manufacturing company, or you're just uh, wanting to learn more about how you could possibly market a company that isn't in the industrial space or manufacturing company, where they've typically and traditionally relied on more traditional methods of, of marketing, hopefully you can take something from these 12 tips that we outlined for you today. So Taylor, we work with a lot of different industries right here at One IMS, and and we've seen success with many of them. And one of those industries is the manufacturing space that we're so gravitated towards because there's such big demand Mm -hmm. for uh, a digital strategy. So in this episode, we're going to sort of unpack different strategies for manufacturing companies. We're going to go over about 12 ideas that you can deploy if you're in that space. Uh, So let's dive right into it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the first marketing strategy for manufacturing companies would be to combine your digital efforts with your traditional efforts. So the reality is, is that a lot of you know manufacturing companies are still probably more than other industries going to things like trade shows and events and kind of how business is done a little bit. But we also want to combine those efforts, not ignore them, but extend them with some digital efforts. So one example would be, let's say, going to a trade show. You should have a strategy from a digital perspective for pre-trade show, at the trade trade show, show, and then post-trade show, right? So an example would be, let's say you have maybe a list, purchase a list of who's going to be attending the trade show beforehand. So you send out an email campaign, you could target those individuals on social media, target their companies on social media with ads, and maybe even ask them, hey, stop by booth 115 and, you know, claim this offer or prize or whatever that is, enter a drawing. That would help you kind of measure the impact of your pre-trade show strategy. Once you're at the trade show, again, you could, let's say, maybe geo-target or geofence the area surrounding the convention center with relevant ads, either to get them to convert into a lead or to get them to, again, come to your booth, show up to your booth. There's a lot of different things that you could do at the booth in order to collect email addresses, um, whether that's you know as simple as having them drop their... Uh, business card into you know a fishbowl or uh, you have them actually fill something out online or form that ultimately sends them an email or captures their email address. And then again, post-trade show, right? So any of the leads you generated beforehand that you didn't meet at the event, you should have an email sequence going out for that. Anybody who came to your website or clicked on an ad within you know, a certain time frame surrounding the event uh, that came from your pre or you know during trade show uh, advertising campaigns or marketing campaigns, you should be showing special offers to them and you know remarketing to them. Uh, and then obviously everybody that you met, your sales team needs to follow up with, you need to have some email marketing automation campaigns in place for that. So again, traditionally, you sign up for a trade show, you go to the trade show, you know, run around like crazy for a day, a couple of days a week, you know, shake as many hands as you can, get a bunch of business cards, and then you know, no follow maybe up. don't follow up with all of them or only follow up with the you know warmest of warm leads. And it's human nature that you're something's going to slip through the cracks, right? And also, you might do everything right, and the people don't really remember who you are because they met so many different companies there. So I think combining the digital with the traditional allows you to increase the number of impressions and times that someone's going to be introduced to your brand. Uh, it allows you to nurture them, and it also allows you to capture the data as, as much as possible so that you can prioritize the leads that you need to make sense. So 
that would be my my first tip, if you will. Yeah, I mean, and if I can just dive just a little deeper, we actually support our clients in those processes. Sure. It's a lot, you know, you just unpack like what you should do in like, there, it could be an episode in itself yeah. because a lot of people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on events. Yeah. And they have very little systems in place to make sure that they maximize their dollars. And what about creating social content while you're there at the event? What about creating Correct, video yeah. content while you're at the event? What about when you make an experience for people, whatever many thousands of dollars you spend or taking them out to dinner or whatever you do, mm-hmm. none of that stuff is, it's gone because it's happening and really fast and you don't remember and nobody remembers. So I think planning that out a lot more mm-hmm. in detail and figuring out how you're, what you're going to capture into future blog posts or whatever, or the, the sessions that you sit into, how you're going to create that and really be a thought leader at that event. If you can really own that event, you just made Correct. 10x what your investment was. So, And you could incorporate that strategy, like you said, sort of the, the actual digital strategy for the trade show. You could implement that even to like your booth design. Correct. At a hashtag or a photo booth or a place exactly. where you can take videos and interview people. I mean, like you said, there's a lot more that can be done, but it's just starting the process of thinking in that direction right. is right. really the the main point. And then uh, every trade show you go to, just see what works and continue to improve. Correct. You know, but we kind of touched on this with the trade show part, and it's not just with trade shows. What a lot of companies that I'm seeing is they're sort of afraid of the concept of videos. Mm-hmm. They think it's like, man, it's complicated, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do editing. Right. We're not good at it, right? It's a lot of reasons why they don't have it or maybe excuses, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And they're subject matter experts. But the fact of the matter is there's their YouTube page has pr- pretty much nothing on it. The website doesn't have any video content. And they probably have a very complex process that they go through to make this product or, you know, fabrication or whatever it is that you do, yet nobody really knows the in-depth precision that you go through to make this the best, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can capture that on video, not only are you going to make it easier for folks that don't understand exactly what, right, how it works, you can also make sure that they get found on search engines, like the second largest search engine being YouTube, the concept that you do, why you're better at it. Maybe it's customer testimonials, whatever it is that you yeah. can create in the video. If you have it in text on your website or a checklist, an ebook or whatever, it can be converted into a video content and make the life of those people a lot easier mm-hmm. and also be more relevant to the kind of content that people like to consume today than what your website might be in its actual state today. Sure. Yeah, I've seen a lot of manufacturing companies in terms of the videos they create. It's like uh it's like a commercial style kind of video, right? Of, you know, here I am, the the owner, founder, it's a family-owned business for 30 years and here's what we do and, you know, the end, right? And it's kind of poorly shot and those sorts of things. And and nowadays, I mean, everyone has, you know, on their their phone, they have a camera that's so advanced and so clear that you could with minimal equipment in terms of investment, you can make some pretty high quality videos, right? And like you said, in terms of the format of the videos, you could say, okay, manufacturing, it's not a, you know, it's not a sexy industry. People don't want to watch videos about, you know, how I use this CNC machine or how I, you know, manufacture this, you know, specific gear or part or, you know, whatever that is. But again, look at the data. I mean, there's TV shows out there that, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people are watching, you know, popular one that comes to mind, the how it's made. Uh, They have those kind of shows where they're literally taking on the most boring industries. Like you didn't know how this particular adhesive was made, but here's how it's made. Right. And it is interesting. People are interested in that. And then, you know, tailoring that to your ultimate target audience, making sure that makes sense. Because 
the engineer at the other company might understand how some of the simple things are done, but they might not understand the full capabilities that you have and how that applies to them, right? So kind of showing what you've done for other clients, how you're, you know, I'm sure you have a sales pitch when you're in front of somebody to explain why you're better than the competition or why they should choose you. Show me, right? Don't, don't just tell me. And I think video is a perfect format to make that happen. So that's a great tip. How about ABM? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think our what th- is ABM? Yeah, our, our third um, is our that third a kind th- of breaks. Our third tip, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, our third tip would be to leverage account-based marketing, and I think manufacturing is one of the, the most ideal situations where you would take this approach because it's kind of one of the main pushbacks of why manufacturing companies don't invest into marketing is that that's not how our industry works, or you know, my clients aren't doing this, my clients aren't doing that. Well, how about we market directly to the key accounts that you're trying to get into, right? right? You have most likely some set of criteria that makes sense to you for a client. Uh, you know, we like, you know, short run projects or long run projects. So we'd like to do this, or we like to do people in the medical device manufacturing space or aerospace industry or anything along those lines, pharmaceutical, whatever it is that is an ideal customer for you. Identify who that is, who those companies are, and develop a strategy to market to them directly. You're not in a space most likely that you're you're going for volume. Maybe you are, but you know it's typically not a commodity, right? It's something specialized that you do, or you're in a very niche space. And I, I think if that's the case, targeting those key accounts through account-based marketing is is probably the the best approach for that. Now, how do you make that happen? There's a lot. I mean, we we have right. a whole episode about that, but. Essentially, it comes down to who you're marketing to, who are the decision makers within those companies, what's important to them, what's going to resonate with them, and what's going to be the most effective way to get in front of them and uh, bring them to your website or introduce them to your brand. So that could happen through social channels, it could happen through email, it could happen through direct mail, it could happen through you know going to specific industry trade shows that you know they're going to be at. I mean, there's a lot that, that kind of comes into it and blends the lines of sales and marketing and, and making sure that they're really aligned. But ultimately, that's a, a great you know, suggestion or strategy for anybody who's in the manufacturing space who's looking to get into very specific types of companies. And like I said, it's a evolving industry and it's changing very rapidly. But yeah, if you can figure out how to nail that, it will definitely, you know, complement sort of that inbound strategy of people that are searching for it, but there are people that are not searching for it. Sure. Right. So what's our uh, what's our next tip? Um, our next one is I like this one. Okay. This is the the digital direct mail or Direct mail 2.0. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a guy that's, you know, still opens up those mail and I check it because, you know, as a marketer, I'm always looking to learn like, wow, what did they do right? And what did they do wrong? Sure. You know, in a direct mail campaign, I think it's, it's just again, communication at the end of the day, how you get to, to the decision maker. And so a lot of times what companies forget to do is that you can take a piece of mail that you would probably have budget for. You're going to send it to these key accounts or whatever anyway, yet you miss the opportunity of how to get them to convert and sort of put them on a digital you know, mm-hmm. nurturing sequence by not planning well enough. Your website domain name is probably not the one you want to be promoting on that piece. Maybe you want to create a specific domain name that goes to a micro page or landing mm-hmm. page or something like that and create a campaign around something that you're trying to promote rather than the main website, which has all your services, all your products, and maybe you have an e-commerce product catalog, which is massive. What are they supposed to do on that website? Mm -hmm. But create something that is a campaign and say, you know, XYZ 2019 or whatever it is, excitement about a, a thing that you're releasing. Maybe there's a little piece that you send in the box that they open up and says, you know, go watch the video at XYZ.com. 
they're more likely to do that because it's kind of catchy and mm-hmm. you're also cooking that person when they go to that website. You can have them enter a code and autofills the rest of their information because you already have the database or you can have them fill out a form and then put them on a drip campaign or something like that, a, a, you know, a sequence where they're getting more valuable information. And also they can schedule a time. Maybe there's a Calendly or something like mm-hmm. that. They can schedule a time right there and then. Maybe you can opt them into a text messaging campaign. Like you could do a lot of stuff with that traditional piece of mail you just have to combine it kind of like you're combining traditional with digital. Yeah. You have to t- take a digital marketing piece into a landing page and then that sends to an right. email. Then you have retargeting pixels. You now know how they ever came into your funnel. There's so much that you can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's the same exact idea like we were talking about with the combining traditional and digital. In this case, we're talking about direct mail. And, and historically with direct mail, you it's like zero to a hundred, right? You get either no feedback or someone calls you. And what about everybody else who's kind of in the middle who they did, you know, they opened it, they read it, or maybe they looked at, um, you know, your website or they checked out your company's, you know, Facebook page or LinkedIn page. Maybe we went to a website multiple times, but never reached out, right? So kind of what you're suggesting is taking that traditionally one touch spray and pray method of, okay, I'm going to put this out there and we're going to get a 1% in a response rate, right? And let's say if we can leverage digital channels to extend that one touch into three, four, five, six touches and help move them along in the next step in the sales process and convert, turn that, you know, 1% response rate into a 3% response rate, right? That's wildly successful. And for minimal effort in ad spend in terms of, you know, comparison to how much you spent time and effort and money to actually send out all those direct mails, right? So I think that's a, a great strategy and we've seen it, you know, work for our clients as well, even doing multiple step you know, mail campaigns and those sorts of things where people who do react and go to the website are going to get a, a secondary or follow-up direct mail campaign or something like that, email campaign. I mean, there's a lot that can be done once you have that strategy in place and once you have the data. How about the next one where you're sending sort of a free mm-hmm. part, free something, you know, sure. a yes. campaign? So this is something we do all the time for our clients. So then the next step or the next uh, tip, if you will, Number five is to offer a free sample or free part. Right. So obviously, if you're manufacturing some large mechanical equipment, you can't do that. But uh, we work with a lot of manufacturing clients who, or even I would just put that into, let's say, industrial related clients where whatever they're doing is a small integral piece of a larger product, right? And so because you're working with you know different levels of you know suppliers and end customers, all sorts of things, and you're just doing a piece of that, it's important to kind of showcase your capabilities, your turnaround time, those sorts of things. So one thing we've done is added to our website, our clients' websites, a conversion point of offering, you know, receive a a free part or get a free, you know, sample or, you know, anything along those lines. So we have one client in particular that is a good example would be they do like a metal finishing, right? And so they offer a free finishing of this product that would come in. And so what that allows you to do is one, as the customer, you can see the quality of the service. You can send your part in, it will get finished, we'll come back to you. Uh, you can see the turnaround time. It's adding a lot of value, right? And it's a very low barrier to entry. You're not asking me to you know, run a thousand parts or a million parts or anything like that. You can just do one for free, no strings attached, right? On the other side, uh, as the organization, you say, okay, well, why would I 
jump through all these hoops for free is, well, one, you're going to get the contact person of contact information of the person who's doing that research, whether they're in the procurement department or an engineer or owner, whoever it is, they're actively in the market or they wouldn't have came to your website in the first place. So you have their contact information, you have their mailing address because you have to ship the part to them. And you are, again, able to show the value to them without going through a whole sales process. You don't have to really explain anything to them once they become a customer because, or when you're trying to get them to become a customer because they've already seen it, right? What is the best way to explain to somebody how good we are at what we do or introduce them to a new way of going about something, manufacturing something, than to actually just show them and and do something on a a very small scale for uh, really low cost from, again, if it's a small piece or product, it's a low cost comparison to uh, maybe having a higher cost of acquisition by having less people actually convert. So it's a great way to have a more of a top of funnel lead right. coming in. It's a customer acquisition cost, right? That's why Uber Eats gives you the first one for free. Correct, yeah. And everybody else, right? When you refer a friend, the first time you had Uber was a free ride. Yep. Why did they do that? Because they know you're going to get hooked. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great strategy. And if you think that your business is too big, can't you know it's a million dollar purchase, you can't do it. It's something for free. There's something that you can give that people would probably be interested in. You know, wanting to get right. I mean, it's the same idea of you know, you think about on a consumer level, you have pieces of car- right. carpet or floor or something like that. For example, you need to get the little piece of it. I'm not going to give you the whole carpet to take home and look at it, right. but you can have a little piece of right. it. And you now have somebody who's more closer to making decisions with you yep. than somebody else. Digital PR. That's the next tip that we have, number six. And this one is a, it's a really, 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 you have to get really creative with it. But you think that an industry like manufacturing, there's not enough publications out there that are looking to right talk about what's next in the space and believe it or not you know after doing this for so many years and scouring through the internet finding all these relevant journals and sites we've come to realize that there's a lot of websites out there that are dying for content they want to hear from people like you they're you're making the editor's life easier if you would contribute to five ways to do this six ways to do that and just educational content of course not commercial content and once you do that, you're now becoming a thought leader in your space. We've talked about this past in other episodes, the digital PR episode. But what you're doing essentially is continually growing brand awareness to an audience that come and read all this stuff. And they're putting that on their social media channels. These are authoritative sites. And you can take that link and put it on your LinkedIn page. I mean, you can create so much out of just getting one article published, right? So if you can find a way to make sure that you're consistently looking for opportunities, and looking for websites, maybe your competitors are posting, but you're not posting it. Start digging up and saying, hey, how can I contribute? What are some creative ideas that I know that my industry haven't seen or heard mm-hmm. that we do right now that is really hot? Try to get that educational content out there. And you'll be surprised how many people would are, would be willing to say yes to your content than you actually thought. And if you can be the CEO, the CMO, or whoever it is, the thought leader, the chief engineering officer, whoever it is, Get the content out there, you'll see, I think, huge success in just building a brand for yourself. Sure. And then they also see you at the trade show, like they connect the dot, right? right. They follow the company and they get the free sample. Voila. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a branding play. It's, you know, like you said, thought leadership. You know, if you want to get more clients and if you can prove to your clients that you are the industry leader and multiple different mediums, which digital PR would be one of them you know, it's it's going to be successful. And I, I think, you know, piggybacking on that, the next tip that I would have is to actually, you know, host an event or, you know, it could be a trade show, could be an event, could be a webinar, even things like like this, like a podcast, 
is going to help you become that industry leader. And I think in the manufacturing space, again, historically, we know everyone in our industry is willing to go to events and trade shows. Almost everybody spends money on trade shows. And if, if you're willing to sit there and spend, you know, 10, 20, 30, or more thousand dollars to just attend a trade show, why not host an event, right. uh, which gives you the opportunity to one, obviously not have to pay for that and allow for sponsorships and obviously requires some coordination, but uh, sponsorships, some other, you know, basically, obviously there's industries around that you can make money on that or at least cover your costs. You can become sort of the premier sponsor of that event because you're coordinating all of this. Even the people who do not become exhibitors or attendees at the event are still being introduced to your brand because you're the one reaching out to them and introducing them and they're coming to the website and working and researching about the event. So you can market to them as well. It builds the brand awareness and builds that idea that, hey, these guys are industry leader. They're hosting an event on this, you know, X, Y, or Z specific space or industry. And I would even recommend in make it about you, right? So whatever, you know, whatever you do, whatever integral piece your manufacturing company plays in the overall larger market, if you manufacture something for aerospace industry, the event should be all about aerospace, right? And all the other key players and those sorts of things that could be customers of you, bring them to the event, let them exhibit you know, let them see what you have to offer, position yourself as your CEO, maybe as your as a keynote speaker of the event. I mean, there's so much that can be done from a branding perspective and building yourself up as that leader in the space by hosting an event. And by the way, it doesn't have to be, you know, this elaborate trade show, although we know that your customers would most likely be willing to go to those trade shows because again, that's kind of how that industry has gone. It can be a digital event, right? You can host a right. webinar, you can talk about these things, you can do a, you know, a Facebook live and you know, show exactly how your process works. You could host host a podcast where every, you know, week or every month you dive into a specific scenario and talk about how your company helped solve a problem or thought outside of the box to solve a challenge. So I think again, just piggybacking on the idea of, you know, becoming a thought leader, one way to do that would be through some of those event-based marketing, whether that's in person or digital. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation, or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right, so thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. How about client spotlight, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so the tips that we have here. Yeah, so the next one for us would be to create some sort of a, a client spotlight series. Um, again, there's, there's so many manufacturing companies that we work with that their clients, most likely they're, I don't want to say most likely because I, I don't know if right. it's true all the time, but I hear a lot in my clients, you know, I work with one person within this company is one division of a larger company. And even within that, I work with this procurement department or this engineer and, you know, we go back and forth. And if they leave, then 
it's hard to keep that business or you know that's the only reason that we lose business or whatever but a lot of times these companies that are leveraging a manufacturing company as a vendor they have other needs right and of course as a manufacturing company you have other capabilities but bridging that gap between clients needs and their capabilities and nurturing your existing clients is not always really done, right? It's not done to the fullest extent. So one way to capitalize on that and maximize that would be to create some sort of a client spotlight series where basically you're creating you know, video content or email, blog, newsletter, whatever it is, talking about something unique that you did for your client or just explaining, hey, here's my client, here's what they do, make introductions for them, sort of the idea of, okay, here's this client that we work with and here's where they're looking for assistance or here's how they can help your company or here's how we help them. Just explaining the whole scenario and the whole sort of ecosystem of what's going on with that particular client and package that up. Maybe it's a video and show that to your other clients and they might say, well, I didn't know that you know you worked with them or I didn't know you could help in this industry. You know, I have a friend who owns this type of company or I have this other company or my other division of the company does this and we really have a hard time finding somebody that can do this level of precision machining. I didn't realize that you guys had those type of you know cutting tools or whatever that is. And I see that you did something unique for this other client. So I'm interested in a quote, right? right. Just educating and creating awareness around what the work you're already doing, which I'm assuming is valuable or the clients wouldn't be paying you for it. But if you don't show other people what you're doing and how you're doing it, they're going to have a hard time coming to you with out of the box solution or asking you if you can help, you know, solve this problem that they maybe don't even know they have or they didn't know there was a solution to. Right. You know what's interesting about manufacturing is that, you know, from all of the, the people that I've met, especially the CEOs, and only they know the sort of the answer is, but if you change this one thing they do, it's all of a sudden relevant to a whole nother industry. Yep. It's like, oh, if you take this out and you give it to you put this on it, all of a sudden it's this industry that could use the same product. So they might be sitting on a million dollar idea, but right, the fact of the matter is they haven't really been exposed to another industry needing this exact thing. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting because unless you create awareness to that product or service that you're offering, how would they have known that you can do this? And they're all willing to customize it. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I love about them. They're willing to customize to open up to a whole another industry. So yeah, it's a great one. How about investing in search marketing? And I know this is sort of more up our alley, but mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of companies actually do this. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say that this is an over-the-top, you know, creative idea. It's so much <laughs> a necessity, right? I mean, yeah. when you're talking about we're a company that provides a very specific service or solution, then the reality is someone's out there searching for it. So if you're not investing in search engine optimization, Google Ads. Bing ads, whatever it is, wherever your audience audience is searching, they're searching for your product or service, or they're searching for a solution to their problem that they're trying to fix. And you need to show up. That's the bottom line. Absolutely. And you'd be surprised how competitive that space is already for manufacturing. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of them that they probably still have a, a pretty good chance of being the leader in it, but it is becoming crowded by day. The more and more the leaders of the companies understand that this is where the market is headed. Right. They're all moving towards it faster than ever. Right. right? Well, so. because the payoff is there. I mean, you talk right. about, you know, a space where it's compared to other industries where you have to pay hundreds of dollars per click for Google ads and the chances of you know, competition is super high. So the chances of winning that deal is, you know, very low and the margins might even be extremely low. It's a battle, right? To make the math work just on the marketing. And you're sometimes willing to lose money just to acquire the customer so that you can maintain the market share 
and you can have that long time, you know, right. lifetime customer value lifetime. of the customer. Mm-hmm. So that's a reality out there for a lot of industries where manufacturing, most of the clients that we work with, their clients are worth, you know, maybe an average of $60,000 a year. We have clients that have, you know, when they bring on a client, it may be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or it could be worth millions of dollars, right? When you look at how long they're going to become a client, how many products they're going to ask you to make or pieces they're going to ask you to make over the next, you know, quarter, couple of years or whatever. And so it's a kind of a no brainer to say, let's invest in this, you know, whatever it takes in order to get in front of someone at the right time when they're searching for this. Because if we bring them on as a client, we believe that we can provide enough value to them that they're going to consistently order from us and work with us as a partner and as a vendor for the next 10 years, right? And so if that's the case, the price of how much that costs is irrelevant, right? And then now you look at it and say, well, the bonus is it's actually not that expensive because like you said, for whatever reason, this industry hasn't really caught up. So um, I think marketers or CEOs in the manufacturing space, you have a a huge advantage um, when when you talk about the task that you have to, you know, tackle compared to some other industries um, and it's almost you know foolish to say that we shouldn't be investing in search marketing at this point. Here's the next tip. This is one of my favorites, actually. If you have a CRM system, you have contacts, you have companies, right? And literally leveraging the contacts that you've already built over the years and using that in your marketing. And the fact of the matter is you have past customers data and a lot of companies still aren't up to speed with the latest CRM you know, standards and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I still see companies operating on Excel spreadsheets and mm-hmm. you know, just sort of outdated methodologies. But if you have, even if you're using ACT, I know nobody knows what ACT is, but I've heard that more in this industry than ever before, is you have database of people that you know, you're not leveraging. We're always sort of looking for a deal today and this quarter, but man, you're sitting on wealth of information, mm-hmm. what they bought, you know, the folks that work there and, and their personality, whatever you have saved, use that to your advantage, whether it's winning back customers that you've lost or, you know, uh, maybe the, like you said, the trade show leads that you went to last year, but right. nobody nurtured over the last 12 months. And maybe you haven't introduced yourself to the new procurement person that you know that has been hired by this company, but you're no longer working with them. How do you build relationships and using introductions as a way to get in? So whether you're doing email marketing, whether you're doing sort of social media, like LinkedIn engagement, you got to leverage the context that you have. You could even upload that data to Facebook and build lookalike audiences. If you really wanted to go a little bit more right mm-hmm. in depth with that, you can do that in LinkedIn. You can do that in Facebook. You can do that in Google just to build an audience list with an email list. So there's a lot that you can do with email yeah. than just email marketing that the whole industry is not even aware of. And I sure. hope I hate to be that technical guy, you know, cause it's, it's too much to be thinking this depth. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of information you can get out of that. You can enhance the data, mm-hmm. right? You can upload it to any one of those tools. You will enhance all the information about it and then go do, even if it's an outbound campaign, to be able to find more companies like them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, we talked about the idea that your data is the most valuable asset that you have, right? And obviously, I'm not saying this is the case for every manufacturing company, but a lot of times we work with manufacturing companies and they're, the way they do business is through word of mouth and referrals and, the way that their sales process works is essentially somebody asks for a quote and you go back to your team and then you send them a quote. You might not even call them. You just send them the quote 
via email or some sort of invoicing system. And then they either make a purchase or they don't. Maybe the salespeople follow up with a phone call or email a couple of times. But then that happens over the course of 10, 20, 30 years. There's so many people in that database that whether they bought or they didn't buy, maybe people are coming back, you know, let's say it's uh, they're doing small runs every quarter or something like that. And, you know, they're not a very large client for you, but you don't get to know that business. You don't educate them on your other services, cross-sell, upsell opportunities, increase the sort of velocity of the order. I mean, there's a lot that can be done. And the fact that we see it time and time again, where there's just no strategy. Like you said, I don't want to be the the technical guy, but I don't think it needs to be that technical. It's just (laughs) what is the strategy to market to your existing contact database? If you don't have an answer to that, then you need to start somewhere, right? And if the answer is, you know, we have sales reps, and then I would say, well, how many sales reps do you have and how many contacts do you have in your database? And how often are they talking to each one of them, right? How and, current. Yeah. And if it's not a scenario of, hey, each sales rep has five accounts that they work and they talk to them once a day, every week, any situation other than that, I would say there's probably something you can do to improve that. Right. I got this next one for you. Sure. This is a good one. How do you market for talent mm-hmm. if you're a manufacturing company? Sure. And the fact that that is a huge conversation, right? Mm-hmm. You can't get good quality talent in all of these places doing all this highly technical jobs and you need talent to people and you're hiring college grads or whatever it might be. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, this kind of makes the list of unique strategies because I think it's, it's a little out of the box and it's a little bit indirect in terms of what type of results you would see. But when you talk about marketing for talent, it's the same idea as everything we're talking about before of becoming a thought leader, building brand awareness. Uh, If you're in the manufacturing space and, you know, let's just say as simple as going to, you know, career fairs or, you know, job fair at, uh, you know, the top 20, you know, engineering schools or whatever that may be in the U.S. or in your market and just going consistently for five years, 10 years and positioning yourself as, you know, we only bring on top talent, you know, we pay, maybe we pay the the top salaries or we, we have the most you know innovative solutions, products, we have the top of the line technology in terms of the tools and you know, software that we get to use at our organization, we get to, you know, play around with 3D printers and this and all those sorts of things, right? It's sort of like, you know, whatever you're trying to become, like you have to, to work towards that and you have to be whatever you're, you're trying to become. And by marketing for talent, uh, both in events like that and online you know, just even on your website, if people see that you're hiring people that you're marketing to in terms of the the students or the employees, that if we can create an atmosphere and a culture that people want to work at your organization, those people are going to either come to you and you're going to have the best talent, which then you're going to provide more value, which means you're going to get more customers. At the same time, you're also going to create this network of people within your industry, whether they're engineers or other people and other working at other manufacturing companies who are aware that you exist because they right. saw you for four years in a row at their you know, career fair at their university or all the industry events you know you go to and you have recruiters there and recruiters are calling them and messaging them on LinkedIn all the time. So when a problem does come up and they are looking for something and someone says, hey, do you know anybody that does custom fabrication of you know this or that? Of course, they're going to say, "Yeah, I know this company. They're big. They're huge. You know, they're everywhere. They they recruit me all the time. They call me all the time. They need more help because they have so many jobs or this or that, whatever it is. It's the same idea. It's a little bit long longer term, but I think again, want to start getting people to think long term when it comes to marketing. And these are some things that you can do that will help you in the short term by bringing on the best talent, by providing a better solution, more value to your clients, 
And then in the long term, you're going to build that awareness uh, about your company. I mean, I think the very least, very worst case scenario, you know, you can go wrong by hiring the best people for the job uh, at your right. organization. Agreed. And it's going to become a bigger challenge as talent is scarce, right? You can't find the best talent. I mean, like I said, it's no longer the world. You just put out a job and you could, yeah, it's harder than ever yep. to get quality mm-hmm. talent. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's just very, very, very tough out there to get really good quality talent that's going to stick around for the long haul. Let's go to the last one, which is implementing marketing automation. And, you know, it's like a jargon. If you're in manufacturing, you're like, what is sure. marketing automation? Does that mean we just automate it and we don't do anything? Right. Because in manufacturing, it's all about automation. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's not exactly that for, uh, in our, you know, the way we explain marketing automation is imagining how someone comes to your website and, you know, you probably, we talked about personas in previous episodes where, you know, they're an engineer, there might be, you know, a procurement person, they might be looking for, you know, more knowledge. Maybe this is the engineer who needs to download the drawings or something like mm-hmm. that, right? There's different kinds of audience coming to your website. And then you want to make sure that you cater your messages to that person and their problem at the time. And so the way that it would work is it's one to one marketing. They look at, you know, particular thing, they want to learn more information. They want to download the catalog. Then that's a different person than a person who's trying to download a checklist, which is a different person uh, that's trying to download, you know, a CAD drawing or something like that. So, and having a specific email message that goes to the person that's interested in whatever that might be. And then making sure that that communication is there. So you're not too aggressive, mm-hmm. but you're not also completely passive either, right? It's consistent message to that person at a one-to-one level. And it's again, not a generic message to everybody. It's not everybody gets the same thing. It's how many different types of personalized touch you can do. Sure. Let's say you did do that in-person event. You have to contact them and follow up with them in a very different manner than a person that came to your website and got the free part. Yep. Right. And that is what we talk about marketing automation. And how do you implement that? How do you build out all these different assets? And how do you build out all the follow-up messages and then automate it and then see if people are responding to it and then tweak it. And until there's basically no end to the number of campaigns you can run. Right. And like you mentioned, because in the manufacturing space, we talk about automation of, you know, literally, you know, a robot arm automating the process that a human used to be, right? It's like, again, it's an either or situation where with automation, we don't need people. And then the pushback that, that you could get on the manufacturing side as well. Our business, you know, it's very high touch. It's very custom. We can provide a quote. We're never going to have an e-commerce section on our site. We can't automate the sales process. We can't automate customer service. We need to have people do that. And so that's true. And that's where, as you mentioned, it's maybe a term issue in terms of automation. It almost should be, you know, augmentation, right? Because it's, right. it's taking what you do really well and augmenting that and supporting that through things like email marketing and providing valuable content at the right time, at the right level of the sales process to your clients. So we're not suggesting that, hey, just replace you know three of your salespeople with some automated emails and hope that your sales are going to be the same. It's not the case at all. But if we can help them close more deals, bring on more clients or the right clients that are going to be more successful, profitable for you in the long term, then that's the role of, of marketing automation. If you can educate your clients and keep in touch with them and better service them without increasing your manpower. That's the goal of, of marketing automation. All right. So uh, let's just recap everything real quick, kind of run through. Absolutely. So in terms of the the 12 strategies or 12 unique marketing strategies that we are suggesting for manufacturing companies, 
combining traditional with digital, uh, creating videos, uh, right. leveraging account-based marketing, trying out some what we call digital direct mail and sort of extending your direct mail efforts, offering something free, offering a free sample, a free part. Again, assuming that uh, it's cost-effective to ship that uh, said part. Investing into digital PR and, and becoming a thought leader in your space. Hosting an event, a webinar, podcast, inviting your prospects. Again, positioning yourself as a thought leader. Creating a, a client spotlight uh, is one of my favorite ones, I think, to just kind of showcase your capabilities and also a little bit stroke the ego of your clients, right? I mean, I think nothing builds loyalty like uh, expressing, you know, sort of satisfaction and congratulating their client on what you're actually doing. Why, you know, that person has more incentive to stay with you. Investing into search marketing, SEO, PPC, no brainer. Uh, leveraging your existing contacts. You know, again, that your contact database, your CRM, if you have one, hopefully is going right. to be your most valuable asset. Marketing for talent as a way of building brand awareness, as well as improving your own internal processes, systems, and of course, talent pool. And then the final 12th tip for increasing your you know, marketing strategy for manufacturing companies would be to implement marketing automation in multiple various forms. Probably the most common would be things like email marketing, but you gave some, gave some other great tips for how to leverage marketing automation in the manufacturing space. So that's all we had today. I hope you guys enjoyed. Solomon, where can uh, people reach out to us if uh, they have questions or they you know, want to you know, suggest some topics for the podcast, anything like that? Absolutely. You could email us at growthmarketers at oneims.com. That's uh, sort of our inbox here for anything that's related to podcasts, any feedback, you know, questions, thoughts, anything are welcome. And thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next time.